Over the last two decades, I've been on a quest to learn everything I can about leadership, obsessed with what makes the best leaders so good. After running companies small and large for the last 20 years, today I speak on stages all across the world to audiences who are interested in that same question. My name's John Laredo, and I'm your host. I invite you to join me on this journey as we explore this topic. What makes the best leaders so good? Welcome to Tomorrow's Leader. All right, welcome to today's episode of Tomorrow's Leader, where we dive deep on all things leader-related, and today is no different. So we are going to talk about a topic today that actually 300 million people deal with, and uh, that's across the world, and that's actually only counting the number of people that acknowledge that they deal with it and have sought help in regards to handling it. There's another estimated twice that that deal with it and have it and struggle with it, but actually never say anything about it. And I was actually one of those people for about 20 years of my life. If you haven't guessed it, what I'm talking about is anxiety. And there's all different types of forms of anxiety. Mine happened to take a form of uh, extreme heightened anxiety, which we know as panic attacks. And uh, I want to tell you the story because I think it's pretty fascinating. It wasn't actually until about two years ago that I started actually talking about it or even said the words panic attack. And the reason being, uh, I literally grew up, I didn't even tell my family. I didn't tell my friends. I never said anything. It was this internal struggle that I battled with. And I didn't even want my mind to acknowledge the fact that it was a panic attack. I think in the back recesses of my brain, I kind of suspected that's maybe what it was. But I felt that if I acknowledged it by putting a name to it, that it would be a weakness and it would get worse. And uh, I didn't want to admit that I was struggling with that. So I, I assumed or tried to convince myself it was other things. Well, my silent struggle caused this to be something I dealt with for 20 years of my life, when in reality, I think had I sought some help and maybe talked to people about it, I could have shortened that time period to a few years. So I'm hoping some of the things that we talk about today can be of help to some of the people that are listening. Um, I'm happy to talk to anybody in more depth because I figured out for myself different ways to overcome it. And uh, I can share those with you, but I think everybody's a little bit different. But I will tell you, there are things that you can do to get over it and actually um, overcome your anxiety and panic attacks. Um, And that's one thing that I realize now that I didn't know for much of my life. So Uh, If I can make you better by listening and taking some of these, and maybe if you are dealing with that, uh, applying them to yourself or helping other people, because it is one of those things that affects your life in a dramatic, dramatic way, and it prevents you from doing the things that you're really meant to do, and it prevents you from living life to the fullest. Um, and I'll start with just my my bottom, I mean, my worst of worst experiences, um, which um, I have been talking about over the last couple of years, so, so some of you have maybe heard this story, but I remember um, the worst situation was uh, being on stage in front of 70 people 
when I had a panic attack. And uh, I could feel it actually starting to come on before I was on stage. I could feel it as I was sitting there waiting for the presenter in front of me to go through his presentation, and I knew I was next. I could just feel that that familiar, uneasy feeling of the panic attack building. It's kind of like this big wave that starts to overtake your body, and everybody's got different symptoms. But for me... Uh, it was a combination of my my body temperature would just start rising super fast, um, and I would feel myself getting overheated. Uh, my face would turn beet red. I I had one of those or have one of those faces that when I when I would turn red uh, or get hot, my face would turn red, and you would see it. I couldn't hide it. I could feel beads of perspiration start to to uh, come out, and uh, ultimately, I just I felt this this almost shallow breathing where I couldn't catch my breath. It was almost like I I had an asthma asthmatic re- reaction. But I, that's that those were the symptoms that started to come, and and as that started, and I became conscious of it, it would get worse and worse, and I could feel my my heartbeat start to accelerate faster and faster and faster. And I wasn't even on stage yet. No eyes were on me. I was in the back of the room and this was starting to happen. And I knew at that point, once it started, uh, I was in a bad place because I didn't know at that point how to stop it, how to turn it around and, uh, and snuff it out, which I do know now. But at that point, it was like a locomotive leaving the train station. I mean, it was happening whether I wanted it to or not, which I never did, obviously. Well, as that presenter in front of me started to get nearer and nearer to his closing statements, I just got worse and worse and worse. I felt like my shirt was getting tighter and tighter. Like literally, I just, I couldn't catch my breath and I'd loosen my my collar up and I just, my tongue would start to get dry. My, My body was starting to tingle. And at this point, I could literally feel beads of perspiration starting to drip down the sides of my head. And uh, I knew that I was just moments away from being called up. A couple minutes later, uh, less than that, I was. I was being introduced. This was the point where I'd walk up to the front. And I started the very slow walk toward the front of this big room. And I remember feeling to myself, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know. I have no uh, escape I am heading into this disaster. And um, people's eyes were starting to look at me as I'm starting to walk toward the front of the room. Uh, as I got to the front, I remember looking out to this big audience. And these, by the way, were peers of mine, which I think makes it, may, in some circumstances, make it better. In my situation, made it worse because these were all people. And I was being asked to speak for a good reason. I had success around a certain area that I was being asked to share what I was doing to create that success. So it was a it was a recognition opportunity, and I should have felt proud to be up there to speak. But uh, instead, I was looking amongst this big room of, of wide eyes looking at me as I stood up there, and I, I could not speak. I stood there in front of this group, and obviously a panicked look on my face and turning red and, and not able to, to breathe, let alone speak. And all I could think to do was turn around and literally there was a big whiteboard there. And all I could think to do was, was start to write on this whiteboard and, and, and maybe that would buy time and relax me. And I'd start to write and write. And to this day, I have no idea what I was writing on that whiteboard, but I just bought some time and realized though, while I was doing it, that it was not getting better. It was actually getting worse. So I turned back around 
to face this group of very, very concerned, perplexed faces. And again, not being able to speak or talk or speak or breathe, uh, all I could do was think to run out of the room. And I did. I ran off the stage out of the room. And I will never forget that feeling as I remember walking through the office just trying to find the bathroom and um, and get some privacy. And uh, they, they must have taken a break because they wouldn't know what else to do. The speaker just ran off the room and, and then everybody from that meeting came into the bathroom and and uh, I just was an absolute mess. And um, I remember telling everybody I ate something bad and I was just sick. But in reality, I knew what it was, and it was a panic attack. And this, to me, was the worst of the worst. This was my bottom. And I got so frustrated that I absolutely went on a mission to figure this thing out. And I had been dealing with it for years, but in smaller stages. And I I actually figured out how to overcome some of the smaller ones. Um, but this really forced me into a place of saying, okay, I'm either going to deal with this for the rest of my life, or I am going to figure out how to get over this. And again, I wasn't willing to talk to anybody about it. And so this was my own silent internal struggle. And, uh, I battled through it and ultimately figured out how to do it. And I think where it starts, and I'll tell you where mine, when mine actually started was back in eighth grade. I actually remember the day. I remember the event because I never had any anxiety or concerns or social anxiety or, or panic attacks. <clears throat> and I remember being in a class, and I think it was in eighth grade, and uh, somebody had made me laugh, that really, really hearty belly laugh. You're rolling bent over, and uh, I must have turned really red because I was laughing so hard, and a girl noticed that and pointed it out and said, oh, my God, look how much he's, he looks like a Christmas tree. And everybody looked at me. All eyes were on me, and, and I suddenly that turned a really fun moment into a horrible moment. And from that moment on, I realized, wow, my face turns red, like – like really, really easily. And then it got read any, anytime any attention was brought to me. And then I became super self-conscious of it and didn't want any attention brought to me whatsoever. It got to the point where I could not, for a period of time in my life, could not have a conversation. It was a brief period, but I could not have a conversation with somebody outside of my close circle of friends or family without having a somewhat of a panic attack uh, to the point where it was visible. People would say, you know, like, what's the matter? I remember talking to some kid in class and a girl on the other end of the room came up to me afterwards and said, hey, what was that about? Are you okay? What happened? I saw you turn beet red. I'm like, yeah, geez, just unbelievably painful. So what I figured out ultimately is that, and this is the key to overcoming panic attacks and overcoming anxiety, is you have to figure out ultimately what causes your panic attack and what causes your anxiety, which sounds really obvious. Well, duh, okay, if I could figure it out, I could solve it. Well, not always, because just because you know what it is doesn't necessarily mean you can solve it, but it's the first step. And uh, there are certain things that are going through your mind prior to having a panic attack. And sometimes it's brought on by outside stimulus, but there's certain things that you start to tell yourself that ultimately lead from one step to another, to another, to another, to a full-blown panic attack. And if you can figure out what that kind of chain of events is, you can ultimately gain control over this. And when you have control, and I mean 
so much control that you learn how to cause a panic attack, literally, where you can turn a panic attack on, then you also can figure out how to turn it off. It's like finding the light switch in a room. If you can figure out how to turn it on and gain that much control, then you can figure out how to turn it off, and you will. And that's the key. You have to figure out what that switch is and gain that level of control. So for me, what it came down to is it was anything that I felt, or one of the major triggers, when I felt I did not have or I had no escape. If I was in a situation where I didn't have any physical escape or escape from attention um, or escape just in a mental way, um, it would lead me to a feeling of panic. And that's where the panic attack would start. So what I started to do is realize if I can create these little escape hatches for me, so to speak, then it would allow my anxiety to lower. If I felt like the the situations that would bring them on were these crazy feelings of not being able to escape that situation, well, if I could come up with ways that would give me that escape hatch, so to speak, then that would remove that whole fear right? Because that's what it really was. It was this, this huge fear. And these panic attacks would prevent me from going into situations that I really should have and could have. And had I gone into these situations, I'm sure I would have grown and, and they would have been great rewarding experiences. It prevented me from going into social environments that were uncomfortable. It prevented me from doing any kind of public speaking. It prevented me from doing any kinds of uh, business ventures or opportunities or, uh, or approaching certain people. It was this thing that just kept me kind of bottled up at different periods of time in my life and some better than others. But I do remember that one of the times, uh, one of the situations that would come about would be I would be sitting in a class and I would be in the middle of the class. No attention was on me, but I would just have this feeling that everybody was watching me. I would start to feel the sense that people were looking at me and when that was happening, that would then cause me to start to turn red and my body temperature would go and my I'd start to sweat. In fact, that was what would happen. And there were a few times where the teacher even noticed and they pointed out, hey, are you okay? What's happening? Uh, they just would look at their students and they'd notice me and I was beat red and sweating and and uh, I would just pretend like I was sick and, and go. But, but that if that happens once, that's enough. If that happens every single day, it's a noticeable problem. And that was what made me absolutely panicked and paranoid. So what I figured out for myself was I could actually take my mind to a different place. And um, even though I felt my body physically heating up, I actually figured out a way to, to make myself cold and bring my temperature down. And I remember I would sit there and I would just start doodling. And I had a guy that I would draw on a piece of paper. And it was a guy that just for me was the, the symbol of, of somebody being cold. It was a guy that was shivering and, and really cold. And he had icicles you know, on, the, on his, on his uh, beard and, and his arms. And it, you could tell just visually it was really, he was cold. And just drawing that would start to relax me. And that was my first experience of overcoming a panic attack. And and that was all I needed because once I figured out how to overcome one of them, the small ones, then I knew I could overcome the big ones, right? The big ones were the really public ones on a stage. The small ones were my little private ones that other people may not even notice I was having one. 
but I figured out how to control those. I figured out how to overcome that. And for me, that was drawing a picture. It was take, it would help my mind get to a different place. And I would focus so hard as I was drawing that guy. I remember I could re- recreate him right now. Um, and it would just, it would relax me and it would calm me down. And then I knew because it worked once, I knew it would work twice. And then I got to the point where I knew it would work every single time. And an amazing thing happened. Then one day I never needed to draw him again. And sometimes I draw him just because it was fun. But, but I never needed to draw him again because I never had that feeling again. Because all I figured out was I had that light switch. I figured out how to turn it on and off. I figured out what caused it. And I figured out how to solve it. And that gave me the confidence, and then it never even entered into the picture again. But the way panic attacks work, and for those of you who may be suffering from them, you realize all different scenarios may bring up all different versions of them, right? So for me, I actually had some even playing sports. I was a pitcher, and I remember being on the mound, and and you think, okay, all eyes are on you. Yeah, definitely. The game's in your hands, Um, and, and that would bring about certain panic attacks. Uh, I may have told the story of me just throwing to first, like nonstop as a pitcher. You do that once, you know, okay. Second time they're like, okay, focus on the batter. And and I try and pick off the runner at first, like 10 times in a row legitimately, because my body would go to a different place. I, I was panicked. I would lose control of my body because I felt like I had no escape there on the mound. I couldn't just walk off the mound, right? That again was my whole issue. I couldn't escape that situation. And for me, I realized and learned that if I focused, I'd pick, up, I'd pick a person in the stands and I would focus on that person intently and almost to the detriment of the game because I wouldn't even pay attention to the runner on first anymore, but I would just focus on that person intently and that would help my mind escape this situation. And the, and the feel, I would almost transplant myself onto the stands. I was no longer in this situation right here. And that was my escape hatch. The same way drawing that guy, the cold guy with the icicles was my escape hatch for sitting in the classroom with all eyes on me. This was my escape hatch for the mound. And once I realized I could do that, then again, the confidence of knowing that I could overcome that helped make sure that that never came about again. I never had that situation again. But I had all these other types of situations that would come. And, and I, it was a matter of just figuring out how to do this. So when I started doing pre- presentations and speaking in front of public, which was a major accomplishment for anybody who has panic attacks. And when I started doing it, I realized, again, it was my fear of not being able to escape that situation. And, and whether it was a spotlight that was on me. And usually that's what it was. Hey, the attention is on me and I, I have no way to get the attention off of me if I start to get in a bad place. And then what I figured out is, you know what, if I'm speaking in front of the group, I actually can do that because I'm the one in control, right? I mean, I can say anything I want on the stage. I can do anything I want. I can walk anywhere for the most part on the stage that I want. And if I wanted to, I actually could ask the audience a question. In fact, I do that all the time now as a, as a public speaker because I think it makes that interactive. Uh, but at that point, that was my little escape hatch, right? That was my way if things bit, felt like they were too boxed in or I was boxed in and I was locked into this, that was my way to now divert the attention and put it on the audience. So I would go into presentations with four or five different spots in the presentation where I had positioned these escape hatches, literally. 
so that, okay, after this point or that point, I could ask a question. And just knowing I had built those into my presentations, and I didn't always. So a lot of times, sometimes I didn't even ask any questions or one or two, but rarely did I ask all four or five or whatever I had planned uh, because I didn't need to. Just the fact that I had put those escape hatches in there helped me relax. It was unbelievable. And then what I, and what I started to do is I'd have a, a, you know, a list or a handful of questions that I could ask any time. I mean, even if I was 30 seconds into my presentation or in that situation where I was going on stage in front of 70 people and had a panic attack, if I felt that coming, I might have started my presentation by saying, hey, let me ask you a question and thrown that out to the audience. And that feeling that I could do that, turn the spotlight to them, would relax me. That was my escape hatch. That's what I figured out how to do. Um, you know, it was all kinds of things. Anything, the thought of, of learning a script and having to perform a script, which at one point in my career, I had to do that for the first client meeting. We had to memorize a big part of it. Wow, that would just terrorize me. But again, I figured out these little escape hatches with every single thing that created anxiety. And ultimately, the, the beautiful thing about it is when you can overcome one of the small ones, it fuels the fire, gives you the confidence to know you can overcome a big one and a bigger one and a bigger one. And I have the things I do. I speak today on stages in front of 3,000 plus people um, all over the place. And so what used to give me absolute, uh, you know, paralyzing fear now is something I derive a lot of pleasure from and passion. And I, I would do it every single day if I could, which is fascinating too, because to find something that actually you used to dread and now you love in life is pretty amazing how life can work that way. Uh, but it's helped me grow tremendously, but I still have my routine that I go through to make sure that I feel like I've got that sense of control. And that helps me be energized on the stage, not anxious. Um, you know, the things that I do now, I lot of visualization. So I visualize before I go on a presentation, do a presentation, I actually visualize the outcome. I visualize in my mind certain people coming up to me after the presentation saying very specific things. So I will actually visualize a specific person saying a specific thing, and it might be like, hey, that was awesome, man. That was fantastic. Or that was the best presentation I've ever seen. Oh, hey, we got to have you back, whatever it is. And I can tell you on a number of occasions, uh, I, I the exact person that I visualized saying something actually said the exact thing I visualized said it to me. Uh, there's at least two times I can think of that. Uh, and it's amazing. It was almost like, wow, I knew, I knew you were going to say that. That's what I, I planned that. I thought about that in my head. So that's the one thing I do. And that gives me confidence. And I will tell you, it works every time. The second thing I do is I take out my journal the day before a big presentation and I write a future entry of my journal. I write an entry in my journal. So if I had a big presentation tomorrow, I would write it tonight, but I would write it as though it was past tense and I was writing it tomorrow night. And I'd write something in my journal like, wow, this was such an incredible day. This is the best day ever. I had the best presentation I have ever given by far in front of 3,000 people and it was standing ovation and I had people coming up to me afterwards asking me for you know, additional tips or they wanted to talk to me. It was unreal. And here's how I felt. And just writing that itself gets me, gives me that feeling like I'm, I'm already, it's like a movie. I'm writing the script of a movie that's going to play out exactly how I said and I'm already putting the journal entry in there. I can't take it back. This is a future. I'm putting this in the future. 
And what it does mentally for me is give me that much confidence. And I will tell you, every time I've done that, that works. Um, I do breathing exercises, of course. You know, the breathing in for a count of four and out for a count of eight. You know, that's tough to do, but it relax. Unbelievable how that will relax you. So I've got all these little panic attack hacks that have helped give me so much confidence and I have overcome them over uh, maybe 10 years ago or so. But again, it was 20 years of my life that I dealt with it, that I know I didn't need to. And the good thing is I came out of it having figured out how to do all these things. But I also know that I could have probably gotten past it in three years had I sought help. So I'd encourage you, if you're dealing with that kind of stuff, this is leadership of yourself. This is, uh, this is really taking care of who you are because the better version you can be, the more you can help other people. And if you can take those steps to really make that type of impact in your life, that will be all the difference that you need. That will, that will totally change your entire world. That will change your entire life. So I'm more than happy to help you uh, with this. If you want to seek me out for any additional information, uh, more than happy to have a conversation with you. But I hope this was helpful for you today. My tips on overcoming anxiety and in particular panic attacks. Uh, this has been today's episode of Tomorrow's Leader. Make sure you like it. Make sure you subscribe, add comments, share with your friends, and we'll see you back here next time. Thanks, everybody.